Hello, and welcome to Follow the Woo podcast, where each week I, Fenelon Kush, will guide you on a journey into the land of the woo. We're going to investigate witchcraft, meditations, the paranormal and supernatural, alien and fey encounters, gurus, shamanism, and, and, and all the woo. So hold on to your butt. This just might be the weirdest part of your day. Hello, humans. I hope your Halloween or Samhain was amazeballs. Mine was pretty low-key, except this year I cried a lot. But don't worry, it was mostly just necessary emotional release, which I find happens around this time pretty much every year. Plus, if you've been listening regularly, you know that I've been really hitting the shadow work pretty damn hard in 2021. So there's that. I also had a very helpful tarot reading at a witch meetup here in L.A. on Halloween. The reader reminded me that not everyone sucks. Yeah. In fact, the most profound realization of the reading was this. The majority of the people on this planet are not great or deeply empathetic at this time. But there are great and deeply empathetic people here. And that has to be enough. There are so many of us incarnated right now, and I have felt bombarded by the world's unfathomable lack of empathy lately. It's absolutely devastating to me how most humans treat each other, animals, and the earth. But there are good, deeply empathic people, and just remember that there are some of them. There's not loads of them this time around. Maybe there never has been on this particular planet, but they are here. You have to follow the woo until you find them. We've also got a new moon in Scorpio coming in hot tomorrow, Thursday the 4th. I am no astrologer, you know this, but I have heard that this new moon is going to be a bit invasive energetically. I get the feeling it's the cleaning out the cobwebs kind of new moon. So if there are things that you've been hiding from, you may want to try to gently pull them to the surface before Scorpio does it for you in a much less gentle way. Let's talk about empaths. When I was in elementary school, I was put in a gifted program, not because I was good at science, technology, engineering, or math, but because I was good at people. I didn't have the terminology at the time, but it was because I am an empath. I had an extremely high emotional and social IQ for my age, and apparently I was able to connect, persuade, and inspire my fellow classmates super easily. But I didn't start identifying as an empath until my mom gave me the term in response to the preteen meltdown version of me was like, why do I feel everyone's everything all of the time? Some of you may be wondering, what is an empath and how does that differ from just being an empathetic person? And I think Dr. Nareda Gonzalez-Berrios succinctly explains. So here's what she has to say about it. A true empath is a person who is sensitive and highly aware of the feelings of others around them to a point of taking the pain and agonies of others as their own. 
But being empathetic is a positive psychological trait that makes you feel in tune with others, but still allows you to separate your experience from theirs. So rather than being an empath and energetically taking on that person's state of being, you're just more prone to envision what it's like to be in their shoes and better able to offer compassion as a result. Do you think you might be an empath? Dr. Gonzalez Barrios says the following signs can identify one. One, you have an ability to passionately understand, recognize, connect with, and share the emotions of others. Two, too much closeness or intimacy with someone can overwhelm you emotionally. Three, you can pick up subtle cues like facial expressions and nonverbal gestures to understand how the other person might be feeling in that moment. Four, you're always a good listener. Five, people fall back on you for emotional support. Six, you love peace and don't really like conflicts or fights. Seven, you readily absorb the emotional responses of others and make them your own to a point of getting emotionally drained and exhausted. Eight, you might feel overwhelmed from being available to others and need to isolate yourself from others to unwind and heal afterward. Nine, you may struggle to set boundaries and say no to others or keep giving even when you lack the energy. Eh? So what do you think? The further down the woo rabbit hole I go, the more I question whether I'm a true empath or I'm just a supremely empathetic person. For instance, I'm not always a great listener to mostly my partner and my friends, you know, those closest to you, if I'm in the zone working. And I don't mind conflict. I mean, I don't want conflict and I'm not actively pursuing it, but I'm not afraid of confrontation if necessary. So maybe I'm not a true empath. I realize I might be splitting hairs here, but still, it's kind of a hazy area. Some spiritual practitioners that I've spoken with have said that being an empath is really just like step one on the path of cultivating your specific spiritual gifts. So there's all different ways to look at this, but there are some actual studies about how the brain processes differently in people who have heightened mirror neurons and things like that. You can go down that rabbit hole if you wish. We just don't have time for that at this time. Personally, here's my indicator if you're an empath or not. And this might be bullshit, but this is how I think of it. If you don't have any hormonal imbalances and you're not pregnant or going through major grief and you watch someone get hurt on TV and you feel the pain that they feel on not a physical level necessarily, although that absolutely can happen, but on more of a, an emotional level, and that happens all the fucking time, you might be an empath. Anyway, my guest this week, as I'm sure you've gathered by now, is a fellow empath. She's also a medium and Reiki master who had to experience an intense and lengthy dark night of the soul before she stepped into her power and purpose. That dark period included everything from corporate burnout and homelessness to depression and two suicide attempts. Christine Gold now guides other empaths to unleash their gifts, which she says are often masked by anxiety and depression, which is fascinating and a whole other rabbit hole I want to go down. We talk about her intense shadow work, what it's like being an empath, the unifying versus divisive nature of religion, and the importance of self-worth, following your dreams, and choosing your words wisely. We also briefly discuss the astral plane and her UFO sightings. 
you're gonna like it. Okay. Let us dive all the way in to the woo. So I want to hear your thought on this and I'll tell you mine first. For me as an empath, not being authentic is like death. Death. Yes, exactly. And being around people who are inauthentic also feels like death sometimes. I mean, I know it's dramatic, but sometimes I'm like, oh my God, I hate them. (laughs) And, And I feel in sales, I can do well if I believe in what I'm selling and it's not smarmy. But if it even gets like, oh, I'm pushing something onto somebody, forget about it. How about you? Is that? Yeah, I feel the same way I I do. And you can tell when somebody is, when they don't care, they're just selling you. And, but then I've seen the other side where you can tell it's commission and they don't eat tomorrow if you don't buy whatever they're selling. Exactly. We could spend the entire episode talking about the pitfalls of late stage capitalism. Yes. But I think we'll have to put a pin in it. <laughs> I would love to start with your origin story. And specifically, I'm interested in your dark night of the soul, because I think that's what's really inspirational for pretty much anyone. Everybody loves like a comeback story, but also... I think it's important for the listeners who are also going through dark times as well. And I feel, I would like to say this, depending on what stage of life you're in, I'm three years away from 50. So, and you know, my son is in his, well, he's 23. And then I know people in their thirties and then they're, you know, it depends on which stage you are in your life. It, It really does change, I guess, your perspective. I'm sure a lot of your listeners have come from a broken home. You know, my dad left when I was young at the age of five. That was, and that's interesting. I was born at 535 and there, there seems to be a lot of fives in my life. So here's the thing I due to uh, three deaths in the family in 2021, I am now working on getting to know my dad again after 30 years. And we're just coming out of Mercury retrograde, which, you know, we love to blame Mercury on everything (laughs) and the moon too. I'll throw that in any planet. We'll just, yeah. Anyways, it was in Libra. And I mean, I'm not a, I have astrologer friends enough to know that it was about relationships. So the origin is really relationships of relationships with ourselves, relationships with others, relationships with the universe or God or source or whoever you identify with. Mm -hmm. And in case the listeners don't know what she means by this, she's, she's talking about astrologically where she started, I'm guessing prior to this lifetime, you sort of, that was your map for this lifetime was very relationship oriented from the gate. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. Uh, That was a soul contract. You know, we signed up we did. We'd like to think we didn't. Or we're like, oh, I don't want that. I'm going to put that back. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, it doesn't work that way. It will keep coming back around until you go, okay, I got it. You came from a place, whether you liked it or not over the years, you came from a place that was fundamentally about relationships in general. And that sort of was the foundation for what happened next, which is 
how would you describe your dark night of the soul when we had that pre-call, what we were talking about then? It was me running on everyone else's programs, expectations. I did not know my worth. That, that really what, what it comes down to. We, we don't know our worth. We think we do, but it's usually external. That's what we talk about relationships. So gosh, I made six figures. I was a top sales rep. I had the house, the car, the relationships. I had, I also had the debt, the addictions, the trauma. I had all of it. So it all came crashing down in 2018 after having, you know, anxiety, depression, two attempts to die by suicide. And, you know, a lot of people are, you know, they're like, what? Because <laughs> here's the thing. We assume just by looking at someone that their life is perfect, right? Absolutely. And, and I think that's where we get tripped up. Yeah. So we're like, oh my God, I thought that person, you know, I look up to them, they have like, 10 million followers or whatever it is, or they're a celebrity or whatever it is, you hold them in high regard. And then you see them as yourself. Really, we're all, we, we just forgot who we are, truly. We're waking up and remembering who we are. And a lot of times, you know, the mirror is reflected back on us. And we're like, ah, oh, that means I have to work on myself. I have to do the work. It's nobody else's fault. Anytime, and I just seen this with Colette Baron Reed. Anytime you point a finger, four point back at yourself. <laughs> mm -hmm. So that's really what it was about was me chasing what I thought was the dream, it really instilled in school. You know, once you hit school, they're like, ooh, you know, we can mold you and shape you into how we want you to behave and what you're supposed to do in society. Exactly. My head is spinning because you said so many interesting things and I'm trying to figure out which <laughs> branch of the tree I want to go on first. Colette Baron-Reed. So interesting you brought her up. I haven't heard her name in a while, but I have one of her books and she's really good. She's amazing. I, I started with her book, Signs from Spirit, because people are always asking, oh, I, I need a sign. I need this. What does this mean? I'm like, just read her book. She gives every description possible about what you're looking for. She had an alcoholic past. Like she said, she was right on death's door. Mm -hmm. And she also went through sexual assault. Yeah. So actually our, our stories are quite similar in a way. I can pick up certain pieces. And her parents expected her to behave a certain way, meaning we don't show our emotions. Everything is perfect. It's like the Stepford wife. Mm -hmm. it, it reminds me of the archetype of the wounded healer. I just hear it over and over again from empaths specifically, but also people who just identify as mediums or clairvoyants or what, however they brand themselves in this energetic healing space. There's a lot of like heavy work to be done in the early stages of life to get to the point where you can be an effective healer. I can't think of a single healer that I know that did not have a difficult upbringing. I can't, can you? No. And if they did, it's, they're lying. No, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> they are liars. <laughs> yeah. It's really about responsibility. Of course, it comes to people pleasing as well. Yeah. Cause you're, you want to avoid it. So I'll just keep helping other people. I don't have to look at my stuff. 
Yeah. And that's a big thing for empaths. You mentioned empaths and self-worth earlier. Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, lack of self-worth is like an epidemic right now, yeah. right? Especially in this country where we are obsessed with image and we're obsessed with individuality and we're obsessed with everything that's external. That's seeped into other countries, but we really are the cornerstone. Like the United States is kind of the the mecca for all things materialistic. Oh, and, and I'm in Canada and we're no, we're no better. That's right. I forgot you were. Forgive me. I, it's, I, it's fine. We can just say North America. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Tell me about Canada. Is it because we like to think that it's radically better there? Is it <laughs> when, when it comes to specifically self-image, self-worth, materialism? Absolutely not. I see it all the time. And consumerism and external is seems to be the, the dish of the day, as they would say. It's just easier to buy something on Amazon. You know, I, I, whatever it is, it's easier to buy something than it is to look at what's going on in our lives, <laughs> what's going on in our relationships and our family and our codependency and our addictions to whatever the addiction is. It could be anything. It could be food, shopping, sex, you name it, alcohol. Actually, I would even put it out there as a self-help addiction, meaning I just keep learning and learning and learning, but I don't really apply it to myself. Yeah, that one actually is a little close to home because for me, you touched on this too, the people pleasing. Mm -hmm. I'm a bit different. I am an extroverted empath, which is less common. So I was really in the people pleasing jam, especially I'm still a recovering people pleaser, to be honest. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I have to work on this fucking shit. And I think that just that whole, like, I'm going to focus on everything else. And then you're constantly reading self-help books all the time. It's like, I'm going to get to perfect. And then I'm on this path of perfectionism so that I can be even better for the people around me. But it's like you said, it's never ending. You don't, you don't get to perfect. It's really, I'm not good enough masked as self-help, right? Absolutely. And really, we need to forgive ourselves too and forgive other people. And when we catch ourselves, I think that's part of responsibility. One of my mentors, he's like, oops, he says, but don't berate yourself. Don't be critical. Don't beat yourself up. Don't let the ego go in there and go, oh, yeah, look what you did again. It's oops. Okay. I see what I did there. And I still have some healing to do. Where does that come from? Go into your meditation, go for a run, go write in your journal, whatever it is, go, go explore that part. Yeah. That's a lot to unpack. I mean, it's a lot of work that we need to do collectively to get I want to know your thoughts on that. But before we move on, I want to know, I want to hit on, you said relationships is your foundation for everything. They are your foundation for everything. Relationships are often through a spiritual lens, especially the best way to learn extremely hard lessons really quickly, right? Relationships with people it doesn't necessarily need to be relationships with the universe or whatever. Obviously that's a whole different realm, but even friendships, but especially romantic relationships. Do you feel like for you, that was true that you were able to kind of like 
fast track on a bunch of really difficult lessons because of the difficult relationships you had in your life? Absolutely. I I knew for a fact that I equated my father not being in my life to find just attaching onto another man who is going to solve my problems, who's going to fix me, who's going to love me, even though I didn't love myself. I, I see that fully now. And in other people as well, helping them, trying to help fix them. It was a codependency thing because it was a worth thing, it, seeing how they're all attached to each other. Mm-hmm. And really, it is it is about relationships. And at the end of the day, it's about ourselves. It's about being in service for others, but having boundaries. That's very important. Learning to say no, and that's a complete sentence. <laughs> Because we tend to go no, but or no end. And this is why no, you can just say no. I know it's really hard. Once you're done off the call or whatever, you're like, oh, now I feel bad. It's like, it's crazy. So really just trying to catch yourself in, in the relationships and, and knowing your worth and having fun and really tapping and healing in the inner child. That, that's been a lot of years of work too. That's still, you know, where's the fun? We're, we're not having fun. Everything is so serious all mm-hmm. the time. You know, oh, I have to meditate. That sounds like a drag. Um, <laughs> in a way, you know, yeah, it's like, when you say it like that, yeah, I have, to I have to, I have to, no, I get to, there's the difference. Yeah, I get to, I, I get to just let go and have, you know, 10 minutes of serenity or whatever it is. Even if I'm washing a dish, I'm going to wash it so well that the next person eating off that plate is going to be totally blissed out. It's your energy. It's your inflection. It's your love. It's your peace. It's your joy. You're bridging with other people. How can you be the bridge instead of going, oh, I don't like what that person said. I'm going to hate them now. That's why we're here. Mm -hmm. You got to stop doing that. I do that sometimes where I'm like, oh, I really need to meditate. Like you said, you do have to remind yourself that it doesn't have to be so serious and that it can be fun. I work with about four or five. One of them is sort of more ethereal than the others, but grandmother spirits and their message all the time for me is, would you chill the fuck out? And I need it. I'm a Capricorn. I'm like very goal oriented. Oh, we have that in common. Yeah. You're also a Capricorn. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love you. (laughs) I love Capricorns. You just get it. (laughs) Yeah, I do. (laughs) So I think the reason that's their message all the time and it, and they're so fun. They're always hilarious. Even if shit is dark as fuck. They're always giggling or like blowing bubbles or something because they're like, it doesn't matter. It really, in the end, does not matter. How do you feel? That's what matters. Mm. How do the people around you feel? That's what matters. And that's a constant reminder I need personally. I agree. Like, how can we make this fun? You know, because we are sensitive, right? And we're definitely sensitive to the energy, the vibrations of the world. I'll throw in Schumann's resonance, solar flares, you name it, any type of energy, whether it's positive or it's negative, it affects us. And we like to think it doesn't. And then we start to think it's interesting where we can go with that. So that's why, you know, I always ask my clients to have some type of ritual, have some type of self-care and make it daily so that you're fully aware of what's going on in the body. 
and in the mind and the spirit and being able to discern if it's yours or if it's something else. Because mm-hmm. many times we'll put that on ourselves and think it's us. That's like the OG mistake of being an empath, right? Is like accidentally thinking that everything you're feeling is yours. Let's talk about that. You said earlier you went through homelessness and two attempts at suicide, really dark shit. When did you know you were an empath? When did you start using that term? Who was there someone who helped you? So I unfold that. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I, as a child, even, you you know, yeah, I did, but I didn't reckon, I didn't know what it was. I would see things. Yeah. I would hear things. People would tell me something and their body language didn't match the words. So I'm like, oh, they're lying. So I was a bullshit meter. Still am. I'll look at someone's picture and I'm like, "Hmm, what's going on there? (laughs) Anyways, (laughs) or I'll see somebody's pet and I'm like, What's going on with that pet? What's going on with the owner? Anyways, that's a whole nother conversation. So yeah, it's, I had seen a video and it was the first time someone said your anxiety and your depression are highly linked to you not using your intuitive gifts. And I'm like, gifts? Really? Tell me more. So I started watching a few more videos and she's like, that's how she healed her depression. Or it was mainly, it was panic attacks and anxiety for her. She would feel totally overwhelmed in malls, in crowds, driving. She has a beautiful ranch. She doesn't go out much, as she says. You know, once you open up to the world, like as a medium, clerk, whatever it is, witch, whatever you want to do, once you open up, get ready, get ready to feel it all. And a lot of times you're like, I don't want this. Mm -hmm. This is too much. But then when you realize how to work with your gifts and really practice self-care and do the healing and follow the path, whatever it is, the journey, one foot in front of the other. I won a scholarship with her. Long story short, I became a certified medium with her. And then I'm like, this is cool. I really want to learn more about my body and the energy because I heard, you know, that we hold emotions in, in our body, in our chakras in our energetic body, and it can be manifested into disease, whatever that happens to be. So I was like, this is, this is where I want to go. Because not only do I want to learn how to heal myself, I would like to show others that we are all healers, and we all have the ability to heal ourselves and others. And that's why we're here. We're not here to fix. We're here to go, gosh, I see you. I feel you. I know you. I am you. And here's what I did. And I would love to share this with you. You know, like Jesus, he did not discriminate whether it was, you know, a prostitute or it was a king. He helped everyone. And just on that real quick, I just saw a TikTok yesterday. So funny. This woman was basically breaking down all the cool things that Jesus did throughout the Bible. And she was like, and in conclusion, Jesus was a kick-ass witch. (laughs) I was like, like, yes, yes, he was. And I think that's something I remember from our pre-call. You work a lot with the Christian pantheon, but you do it from a way that is not divisive. 
unfortunately, Christians have, for some reason, overwhelmingly become some of the most divisive people on the planet. But there are good Christians and Christ was a kick-ass witch. I mean, call him whatever you want, (laughs) healer, clairvoyant, whatever. He was a magic worker and he was pure love, essentially. And he was doing what you were just suggesting that he healed himself and was able to offer his healing to others. Yeah. As long as they said, I know nothing. I heard that this morning. I know nothing. Show and I'll follow you no matter what. I mean, really, that's what he's looking for, an open heart, an open mind, an open soul. And that is the issue is, well, there's three, the unholy trinity is science, religion, and politics. And religion has been for millennia, millennia, like forever, so divisive. Now, you know, if you believe in this, then you can't be that, that kind of talk. That's, Mm -hmm. that's, no, that's causing separation. What we're wanting to do is, is oneness. Like namaste, the lights within me greets the lights within you. We are one. We are the same. That's really what it comes down to. So I do not discriminate. I welcome everyone as long as they're willing to do the work. That's it. That's it. I mean, I can give you the tools. I'm a guide, but I don't say I'm going to fix you and it's going to cost you $5,000 $5,000 or whatever it is. I, mm-hmm. I don't do that. <laughs> well, it's good. Um, Cause there's a real problem in the woo community of people doing that. I mean, oh, yeah. like, I'm going to fix you. I, you know, give me one more 10 K check, give me another, you know, and then mm-hmm. eventually you will get healed. And it's like, no, you, the thing is, is that I think the real healers, and this is what I feel like you're saying, the real healers know that they are guides and that the hard hardest work is the healee is the person who's being quote unquote healed. That person has to dig in deep and do the hard work. Yeah. I just say it. It's a climb up the mountain. Yeah. God, it is. (laughs) It is. And then you get to the top and you're like, I feel amazing. And then you start going back down and you're like, Hmm. Hmm. Not I'm feeling about 50%. Then you get to the bottom. You're in the Valley. You know, you're in the desert, as they say, didn't they? You know, they go into the desert for 40 days. I mean, (laughs) it's the same idea. And then you're in the desert and then all of a sudden there's an oasis, but it's an illusion. And then you think you see the oasis again and it actually is. But for a minute, your ego goes, it's an illusion. Yeah. Turn around. Yeah, (laughs) that process is very complex. Mm hmm. Well, actually, yeah. it's sort of simple, but we we tend to make it complex because oh, we do. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we're really good at that. We are. We are our own saboteur. Hmm. Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> and you even said it. I love this. You said somebody. You watched a video, and the person on the video said your anxiety and depression are because of your essentially your untapped gifts you've been suppressing them or they've been covered up over time from years of numbing, or I guess that's the same thing as suppression. That really hit me. When I was in high school and and early college, I did drugs and alcohol. That was my like numbing. That was the way that I dealt with being an empath. I loved people, but I could not figure out how to manage all of the input. It was too much. It was sensory overload. And I think I am... I'm 35 now. I am 
in the process of really detoxifying that numbness that I did for that time. What were the ways that you numbed your gifts earlier on? Oh gosh, definitely alcohol. Yeah. That was a go that was a favorite and I didn't do drugs. Like I didn't do hard drugs. I didn't do weed. I mean, once or twice, but weed just totally knocked me on my ass. I, I couldn't do it. Sex for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Going to the gym too much. Like everything was always excessive, even mm-hmm. running. Like uh, there was a point in my twenties where I'd run 10, 15 kilometers. I guess, I don't know what that would be in miles, maybe like 20 miles, something like that every day. And I was a size two. I actually had somebody ask me and, you know, are you okay? And I'm like, why? And they're like, Cause are, are you sick? Do you have cancer or something? I'm like, what? They're like, you're so thin. So I went to the extreme. Yeah. When I have spoken to other empaths, which is strangely, I don't know a lot of empaths. I know a lot of witches and mediums, but I don't know a lot of people who are like, I still identify very deeply with that term. So it's nice to talk to somebody who who still does. And I think that's one of the hallmarks of being an empath, right? Is the susceptibility to addiction. Mm -hmm. And I think part of it is because I think it's two ways and you'll have to let me know what you think about this. On one hand, I think it's because we're looking for anything to numb, help numb all of the sensory input. And then on the other hand, I think sometimes we're not boundaried enough. And so we're picking up on other people's stuff. And there's just a lot of addictive behavior in our culture. No, I I think that's pretty much nailed. It's like you said, it's external but not having boundaries and knowing ourselves well enough to go, okay. I think it's Judith Orloff who writes uh, quite a few books about being empath. She does videos as well. There's a couple ladies. Wendy DeRozan is another one. Dr. Christiane Northrup talks about energy vampires or narcissists. That's a whole nother conversation, but it's about knowing your boundaries, your limits. And she says at first she had a really hard time going out, but that was because she would stay right to the end. Now she knows she can either say, no, I'll get back to you or I'll stay, but only for a little bit. So they know they're not going to be like, oh, why are you leaving leaving so soon, Christine? Can't you stay long? You know, stuff like that. When they know darn well, that's what you told them. You're leaving. I'm out. Oh, I have to ask you again. (laughs) I'm excited because because you're a fellow empath and also a fellow Capricorn empath, which is cool. (laughs) Do you find, or have you found that people in your life have tended to, how do I put this? Almost become addicted to your energy in a way, like maybe addicted isn't the right word, like territorial of your time and your energy, because I've always said just because I think we give so much, they get kind of possessive of you in a way. Have you have you had that? Sometimes I get it. It's like a hit. And I really I think it's almost like being an energy vamp. They're energy vampires, meaning they don't feel good about themselves. But being around you, they feel amazing. But then they want that all the time, but then they don't want to do the work. Mm-hmm. You got to be careful. What do you think it is about impasse that makes people feel so comfortable? Honestly, it's our aura. It's our vibration. It's our energy. 
And sometimes it's like you're wearing a badge if you haven't done the work saying, I don't have a life. I don't love myself. So please just, you know, use and abuse me because that makes me feel better. But it doesn't. That's a really long badge. But anyways, <laughs> it's very wordy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're healers. We're, we want to help and heal everybody. But at the same time, we have to know that we can't. People have to save themselves. We are not. Just like people thought Jesus was a savior. Yes. But you have to lead by example. Mm -hmm. Speaking of addiction, when I was younger, I also used what I could. I didn't even know what to call the gift that I had, but I knew I had something weird going on. And I used that as a way to numb too, weirdly. Mm. It was like sophisticated sabotage because I'd be like, oh, let me like help all these other people and, and really like give so much of myself. And meanwhile, dot, 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 I'm totally abandoning myself and my own inner healing, which as you of course know, that's the real power is to be able to heal yourself. And, and then you get even more cultivated abilities to help other people at that point. But you don't think about that. You're just like, no, I'm helping people. I'm wheeling and dealing. <laughs> really, you're just fucking yourself up worse. Yeah, because then when they're gone, everything around you is exploded. But you were so busy looking at every and helping everybody else, you didn't even notice. Yeah. You mentioned narcissists. And woof, have you had narcissistic encounters? Oh, lots. Coworkers, old bosses, teachers, friends, parents, family members. And you can always tell, you really can tell when you start putting boundaries up, watch how people react. Mm -hmm. That is your best test right there. And you don't have to be mean about it either. You can just be like with a pencil, not a sledgehammer, because when you use a sledgehammer, then people are like, oh, you're crazy. Look at her. She's lost her mind. And, oh, I can push more buttons. I'm going to keep, ah, that's what I need to do next time. See, you, you don't want to, you don't want to go there. You got to know that. Okay. I see what you're doing. Mm -mm, not happening. But here's the thing. We all have narcissistic tendencies. I get that. But there's some people that really thrive on it. And then they even branch out. And I think it was Dr. Northrup. I can't remember. I think she said one in a hundred are, are psychopaths. So that's high. <laughs> it is high. Very. That's great. And many, many who are CEOs oh, yeah. and are in the government are sociopath, psychopath, narcissists. I have read dozens of articles saying the narcissist is kryptonite for the empath. And yeah. they're just sort of like this, the ultimate abusive relationship and narcissists are obsessed with empaths specifically. Yep. It's like, if they can find one that is the the ultimate feed for them. Yep. How do you explain that? Like, what do you think, how, how does that relationship work through your lens? Really? I see it as we still have some healing to do. That's how I see it. They're, they're seeing something in you that you don't see. And that's why they keep coming back. And I always say your feelers are, are your biggest indicators. Meaning if you're talking to someone or you're sitting with someone, tell me, do you feel better or worse? That is your biggest indicator right there. If you feel worse around them, there's something going on and you need to back away. 
That is such a simple thing. That is such a simple thing to do, to ask yourself, do I feel better or worse being in somebody's company? And it took me forever as an empath to get to that point where I was actively asking that question after meeting someone. Yes. It's amazing. Like such a simple thing. So powerful. And actions speak louder than words. 100%. Someone says, oh, I'm going to do this and that for you and nothing happens. Bye. Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) I was just talking about this this morning with my partner about how when I was younger, I would have hung out with, we were talking about somebody specific. I would have hung out with somebody like that and been like, eh, well, I didn't really enjoy my experience with them, but you know, I don't want to be mean. I should just still be Mm -hmm. their friend. And I was like, look how much I've grown because I was like this bitch, she is no, she's just a big fat no. Yeah, you can love them from a distance. I said yeah. that to my son today. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, In some cases, it needs to be a very far distance. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I just had a friend. I talked to her yesterday. I haven't spoken to her in two years. And in the course of a half an hour, I'm like, nothing has changed. It was eye opening to how I felt and why I stayed away. It was just confirmation again, which was kind of sad. But at the same time, I'm like, okay, I, I feel good. I feel empowered about this. And that's fine. As you, you know, heal. And I don't want to say as you rise in ascension or whatever level you want to be on, whatever it is, (laughs) as you heal, you lighten up. And as you lighten up, you rise naturally, right? There are relationships and people that will drop off. You will grieve for them. You, you might even pine for them. You might even go, oh, remember the good old days, you know, that stuff that we're still doing now because where we are, can we go back to normal? No, you cannot. You, we're here to learn something. We're all unwinding and unscripting all of the bullshit that we have pretty much energetically taken on. Exactly. Because of the pandemic and what's happening astrologically on the planet right now. It seems like this is happening in waves. Everybody's losing friends and grieving friends. And they're like, I don't understand why I just am not hanging out with the people that I used to hang out with. It's like this mass exodus almost. And what do you feel as a healer, as an empath about what's happening globally right now, energetically? We're seeing things for the first time, really seeing people for who they are. Because a lot of times when you're in a, in a friendship, when everything's good, everything's good. But now that we're seeing division and separation and all of that, you're really going, wow, I had no idea they would behave like that or that's what they believed in or thought. And a lot of people are being, like I said, segregated, divided, separated. And there's a lot of grief in that. There's a lot of anger and frustration all of these emotions, we're, we're doing like a huge heart healing. And we're, we're really seeing people for the first time. There's no more facade. You can't Instagram your life away. I think it was Shaq. I heard a couple of weeks ago, of all people, Shaq comes into my thought process here. But <laughs> he what he said is he's like, I am declaring I'm no longer a celebrity. He says, I don't want anything to do with that community and that facade. I'm like, wow, okay. He's like, you know, we're seeing him as a human being. 
We're having this spiritual, you know, we are spiritual beings, but we're here on earth. We got to remember that. And we have to remember to be grounded, but also spiritually rooted, like above and below. And meeting in the middle is the soul. So that's a lot of the work that I'm doing now is more about the soul, the path, our purpose, because we're realizing in this pandemic that the way we're doing things, we can't do them anymore. We created so much trauma where it's all unraveling. It's, it's a big old mess. You know, the caterpillar to the butterfly. I'm sorry. We're in between. We're in the goo. You're not, <laughs> it's messy. It's ugly. And you have to go through it. We all have to go through it. We can't pretend it's not happening anymore. And social media is really, you know, they call it doom scrolling or whatever it is. It's causing a lot of people to feel triggered, to feel more wounded, to is causing PTSD, whatever it is, it's causing a lot of things. And I don't know about you, but I've been having more conversations about this. I deleted Facebook off my phone and I will only go on it for business purposes on my computer and for a segmented time. Otherwise, things happen. What kind of things? My whole day can be lost. Replying, commenting, sharing pictures, you know, I mean, that's fun. But there's the other part where, well, we all know about the algorithm. People are being silenced. People are being shamed. People are being bullied. That's what I'm, that's what I'm talking about. But it's also great that we have this awareness, right? We're all seeing this. It's a one eye awareness, the third eye, if you'd like that we're really seeing things for the first time and it's it's respect the illusion know the truth so if you can clean up your social media as much as possible and try to keep it as high vibrationally as possible that would really help the whole tone for the world is is what i'm saying that's why i'm bringing this up because i've had conversations with quite a few people my clients have been reaching out and saying they i guess what they're saying is they want more of a connection and we're talking in person. 100%. That's, yeah. what's, that's what's missing from yes. social media, which is hilarious because it's called social media. Social. <laughs> it is supposed to make you feel connected. I think it, I think, I don't know. I don't use Facebook anymore, really, except like you said, for I do posts for the podcast. Yeah. For, for business shit. But I think it says in the tagline something like a way to stay connected, you know, and it's like, is it or is it a way to stay divided or is it a way to stay feeling like a bag of shit? Instagram is following suit, of course, Mm. because it got eaten by Facebook. Now they're saying that Instagram is going to turn into like a product driven app. And I'm like, we're already talking about, okay, so how do we transfer what we're doing on Instagram to TikTok or whatever is going on next? Because I don't want to feel like a bag of turds after scrolling for 20 minutes now because the algorithm is so fucked up. It's just nowhere near what it used to be. It used to be you could communicate with your friends and now it's like 50 ads and you can't even find the people that you follow. I would agree. Mm -hmm. It's bringing us back to consumerism. It's an epidemic. Like, yeah, I create a t-shirt, you create a t-shirt, but it's really creating things with intention and a purpose behind it and serving the good, not I'm going to create all this product and you might use it for a month and then throw it away. Mm -hmm. I think we're becoming more conscious of everything we put into our bodies, our minds and our spirit. I hope so. And I do think that is happening to a certain extent because 
during the pandemic, something weird, well, a lot of weird shit happened during like the most isolated times of the pandemic and quarantine. But one thing was that was so interesting. It's like we wore out social media and television because we were in it all the time. We were, I mean, a lot of us, the whole entertainment industry just shut down here in LA. I mean, it's still partially shut down. So we were all at home, not working. And so we got to watch a lot of TV. We got to be on social media a lot. And then at some point we were like, this blows. I I would love to go out to dinner with someone. <laughs> I would love to hold someone's hand. I need a hug. Yes. And we started to, I think, remember that those things are so precious. You sound hopeful when you talk about the future. Are you? I, I absolutely am. We're here for a reason. Like they say, you know, we're, we're united as healers, empaths, light workers. And I shared this today on my social media. It was a cute little cartoon. There was a baby star and a mom star. And the baby star asked the mom, mom, why do I have to shine so brightly? And underneath it was a bear and the baby bear and the baby bear was, and I love animals, cartoons, all that was looking up at the star going, wow. So I told everyone, please shine, shine on, shine brightly. You don't know who you're going to affect. You don't know who you're going to save. It's not about you. It's about us. And that's how we're going to create, as they keep talking, you know, age of Aquarius, new earth, all that stuff. It's about love, unconditional love. That's it. Unconditional love. And how can we be more of an expression of that? And that is through our daily work. So your empathic spidey sense is telling you that we are not going to blow ourselves up before we get <laughs> to the happy part, to the out of the goo, as you said. I don't make predictions. It's more prescriptive. And how do you want the rest of your life to go and look? You may have one year. You don't know. I mean, something could happen, right? Something couldn't happen. One of my mom's favorite songs by Tim McGraw, Live Like You're Dying. I think pretty much everyone can understand that, intellectually at least. We don't always put it into practice. But the reason I ask is because a lot of people on the show have been like, I don't know if it's 50-50. It's probably more like 70-30, 70 thinking, yeah, it's hopeful. And 30 are people thinking like, we're going to destroy ourselves. We're on that um, path where you're just going to blow the whole shit up. So I just wanted to know where you landed on that. It sounds like you're in the 70, but you're also saying it ain't going to be easy. We're in the goo and the goo's going to get gooier before we get to the good shit. Of course, the more you shine light on something, it's shadows, it's shadow work. That's what we're doing. We're, we're working the shadow, we're working the dark spaces, the corners, and as it comes out, and I mean, there is darkness, there is evil, I will say it, I always say it, Satan get behind me, it comes in many forms. Yeah, do you ever watch Kaylin Allen from the Ellen show? You ever watch him? No, actually. He is hilarious, he's on YouTube and he always says, not today, Satan. (laughs) He has all these like very clever sayings about Satan and and Jesus. And I love it. You know, I don't identify as a Christian, but I think it doesn't really matter. I mean, we know know what he's saying. There's 
whatever you want to call evil, there is something out there that is, has got that vibration for sure. Absolutely. And one of my mentors was talking this morning, he does a service out of Sedona and he was talking, he used to do a lot of touring and, and a lot of presentations and he'd carry all his stuff with him. And he said it was a lot of stuff. And he said, there was at one point, he's like, I don't want to do this anymore. He was getting tired of the traveling and staying in hotels and dragging all his suitcases and stuff around. And he got to the top of the escalator and his case fell open. And all of a sudden it was like a waterfall. It just all started tumbling down the escalator. And he says, and you can see this as an analogy of it's you, your stuff is falling out because you brought it into your energy field. You created that. So when people say, oh, they're just words. No, it's more than that. Your thoughts, your words, watch how you speak to yourself, watch what you say. Sometimes you don't have to say, you don't have to say anything. You could just sit and observe it. And I think we need to observe more instead of going, oh, you should do this. You should, you know, like, if anybody wants my advice, they have to ask me because I'm not going to just offer it anymore. Because I, I, I'm going to use this one now. I'm going to maybe create a t-shirt. I know nothing. And then on the back, it'll say, ask me why. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that. I'm, I think that's a, a marker of wisdom is to admit that you don't know anything. And I think when you're a teenager, you think you know everything. Oh, and yeah. And <laughs> if you do the work from teenager to you pick an age, but I, I would say, you know, after your brain is fully developed, let's get out of the 20s. Yeah. You know, if you're able to then at that point be like, dang, I really don't know jack shit. <laughs> I just, I mean, I got, I have some feelings about stuff. If you want me to help you feel free to ask, I'll do the best I can, but I am not saying I am an expert in any field <laughs> by any means. Yeah. But here's what I've learned. Exactly. And I really believe I have the teacher archetype because anytime I'll learn something, I'm like, I got to share this with people. This is really cool. Yeah. Sharing is, is how we're going to get there too. You mentioned that before too, like let your light shine, whatever you have to give. You don't think it's helping other people, but I think Maya Angelou said it best. And it's just super simple. When you learn, teach. That's yes. it. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter if you got a whole auditorium of people listening to you. That's right. It could just be this right here, right now. Whoever is listening to this episode, they're going to pick something up that you, you just shared. And it's so crazy what could happen one person could be hanging on your the one thing you just said and that thought could change their whole life absolutely and I, and I want to say if anybody is struggling please you know reach out leave a comment whatever it is you have to you know when you're being thrown a lifeline whether it's through this podcast or something you hear or see grab it grab you know life preserver you're preserving your life, even though you think you might not be worthy of. Again, that's your ego. You got to catch that and go, no, I am a beautiful, holy child. Really go back to the basics. And if you have to write that down or do mantras or affirmations or journal, replace, like they say, the ants, you get the little ants in your head. I don't know who used to say that. You squish them. You're like, no. Squish, squish, squish. <laughs> and then I'm going to put butterflies in instead. Like I'm love, I'm peace, I'm joy. Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> you said earlier that words have so much power. You got to be careful with them. What the thoughts that are going through your head and what you're actually saying out loud, it has more power than, than people think. And I think just the basics of if you were to just be super, super hyper aware of what's coming out of your mouth in one day, even an afternoon. Oh, I suck at that. Oh, that mm. I have a horrible memory or, oh, that's, that's not something that I do. Oh yeah. I, oh, you don't even realize how many times you say shit like that. And if you could just take like a two hour period, even, even an hour to start and reverse every single one of those thoughts. That one hour would be so energizing for you. And if you could maybe like write it down, record it, put it to music, whatever it is, you got to feed your soul. You know, you got to fill your cup up. You got to empty out all the garbage, the old programming. Maybe your teacher told you you're dumb. Maybe your friend said you're ugly. Whatever it is, that's, that's them. It has nothing to do with you. <laughs> you got to remember that. Any anybody that comes at you, whatever's going on, it's about them and not you. We always like to think it's about always about us. Uh, that's the ego again that we're being attacked. So then we got our defenses up, but we have to put them down. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. Put it down. Put it on the altar. Give it away. Say I don't want this anymore. I'm choosing because you get to choose every day, every minute, every hour of how you want to feel, what your life looks like. Maybe write yourself a lovely letter, a poem. Find something that inspires you. Find that spark of creativity because we're here to create. So what do you want to create? Yeah, I have some posts up because I'm trying to sell something on the internet. And I get all these spam messages, right? You know, because that's how it is now. We just yep. inundated with spam. And this guy, he was really good. He was so clever. He was like, oh, hey, how are you? And this and that. And I really thought, oh, this is a real person. And then at some point he was like, okay, kindly send me your name and your all of your information so that I can scam you. So I wrote back to him and I said, listen, I'm sure you're not like a really bad person. At your core, there is still good there. Do you remember what you liked when you were a kid? Was your dream to scam people? And I just wrote him this big, long thing. And I was like, I'm going to copy and paste this to every single person that does this to me now and then immediately block them so that there's no further conversation. But they can just marinate in that for a second. And remember, like you said, that they are the ones we all are the ones who get to choose. Mm -hmm. what our lives are like, what our days are like, even though that's really hard to digest sometimes when you're in a shitty, shitty spot. And it starts with the moment you wake up. Are you starting with your mind going, oh, I got to do this. I got a list of a hundred things. And, and that just causes anxiety. Are you scrolling first thing in the morning? I spend an hour every morning reading, journaling. I have a gratitude journal. I have a dream journal. There's a little bit of music in there and yoga. For me, yoga is breath, body, spirit, all in one. I was just going to ask you what your spiritual routines look like. That's your morning routine. Do you have other practices that you do throughout the day to kind of keep your vibration high? Grounding, prayer, of course. <laughs> prayer is at, you know, at the beginning of the day and at, at night, sometimes in the middle, depending on what's going on, but 
but getting outside too, we got to get our sunshine and our, our grounding and be, you know, with the trees, with the birds, with nature. That's very helpful. How long did it take you to get to the point where you knew the combination of things you needed to do in the morning to have a good day? Oh man, I used to do like a dozen things, but I've learned that, you know what, I have to get up at four in the morning or something to do it all. (laughs) So yeah, at the start I did that because I needed that infusion. And then as you start healing and really working on yourself, working with clients, you realize you don't need as much or you become a walking meditation in a way, being mindful in everything you do. So I used to grab at everything and now I'm like, okay, I still really like doing these certain things. I'm going to let some of these go. And then, you know, if I see something, I'm like, oh, I'm going to try that for a bit. Honestly, it always comes back to the, the writing for mm-hmm. sure, the yoga and the nature. So it was finding the quality over quantity over time. We are quantity based, right? I mean, it's external. We want, oh, we got to just fill everything up. You know, as they say, the kiss method, keep it simple stupid yeah. <laughs> well you don't have to say stupid but yeah, fine. <laughs> yeah so it's that's what we just go back to basics and same with our food I love all those cooking shows and you know you have like a, mil- a gazillion ingredients I don't know about you but I've found that yeah I like to to experiment a little bit but I'm really going back to basics again once in a while but it doesn't have to be you know Gordon Ramsay inspired every day how do you feel about stuff actual physical belongings. I'm just curious. I have very little. I packed up my car December, 2020, sold everything and whatever fit in my car. That's my stuff. Wow. So not much, but it's also freeing at the same time because I think we get too attached to things. We have to practice non-attachment. It's not detached and it's not attached because people that say, oh, I'm detached from all that implies that you have an attachment to something Mm -hmm. (laughs) you're avoiding it so non-attachment is seeing both sides and going i'm good yeah that's a super buddhist concept that that pendulum is a good way to think about it like Mm -hmm. buddhists they often use that that metaphor is one end of the pendulum swinging is unhappiness the other is happiness but in the middle is peace and that's non-attachment right there in the middle when it's calm Yeah. And that being in the middle, like you said, that's not detached. It's not numbing. It's not hiding. It's just full awareness. Yeah. Yeah. It's not always fun there. No, it's not. (laughs) I don't love it there, but it's really hard too, because, you know, I love crystals. I'll admit it. You know, if I, if I did not practice, you know, the Buddhist method, I would probably have a crystal store. But I can't be lugging all that around with me. <laughs> so when I go and I see something, I'm like, do I need it? And 10 out of 10, no. Mm-hmm. We, we really have to be mindful of why do we need it? Are we going to use it in a year? And what, where is this coming from when we buy things? We think we need it. And it's like, what do you mean you need it? Food, that's a basic necessity. And even shelter, water. But do we need all these, you know, like my bracelets, my necklace, all that stuff? I mean, we were born naked, were we not? We didn't come out wearing clothes and jewelry. It's 
very difficult in our consumer culture to think that way. But I think people like Marie Kondo is mm. they're really helping with this this idea that stuff does not define you. And I asked you about that because for me, stuff can very easily stress me out. Yeah. And I, I understand now that it's part of my clairsentience. I'm picking up on vibrations of things. I don't want all that input. I don't care if it's a thing that is inanimate. It's still talking to me in a way and I, yeah. it's bothering me. <laughs> so I, I was just curious to know how you manage your stuff. Because that's a big thing we don't think about a lot, that that can, that can be a real hindrance on your spiritual development. Mm-hmm. And clutter causes anxiety. And it hides a lot of things too. So I, I think it was a, a seminar on grief. Oh, you know, my mom passed. I want to take all her stuff. And he says, I understand that. He says, but you can also take pictures of it. He says, you don't need it all. Take one or two things. You're carrying around, like they say, the ghosts of Christmas past. Mm -hmm. I think of Scrooge in a way. You're just carrying that around thinking that object or that letter, whatever it is, is somehow going to make you feel better, that you have some sense of closeness, that they're with you. But here's the thing. They're always with you. They're always talking to you. My mom comes through as hummingbird. I'm, I'm wearing her necklace right now. I see hummingbirds all the time. So I know that that's my mom every morning, every afternoon, every evening, hummingbird, hummingbird, hummingbird. <laughs> you know, it's, it hasn't been six months yet. I, I know she's around just like my aunt is around my animals that I've had, you know, growing up as well. It's like the whole team is there. They're, they're always, they're, they're helping, they're guiding us. They're protecting. It's, our belief thinking that it has to be something we can touch or tangible or an object. And an object is also, you practice psychometry. So if you have like a ring, that person's energy is in the object, like you were talking about, right? Yeah. And that can be used to help people, you know, in in certain situations, that psychometry practice. But if you're just holding on to especially other people's stuff yes. in, in your physical space, phew, then you just have all that energy that you would have been reading specifically for somebody in a psychometry session, just vibrating all around you in your bedroom, in your closet, <laughs> wherever. I can't handle that shit. No. Yeah, very true. That's why I go in any space that I'm in. I do a lot of smudging and prayers and clearing. I want to ask you about what you've got going on in your work, because I know that's changed recently a little bit, I think you said. So what what are you up to? What services are you offering? And what are you excited about project-wise? I do mediumship readings, but it's really turned into, I, I call it a Reiki reveal session or a soul session, because it's not only tapping into mediumship, but I work with Reiki and your your energetic body chakras, as well as Akashic records and past lives come into. Yeah. And then there's a bit of channeling. So it's like all of the, the readings that I would do separated into one, because that's usually what ends up happening. 
that's what I've come to know. I mean, I started out as a medium. I still am a medium and that's all I would do. But all these different things used to come in at the same time. It wasn't just loved ones crossed that were have crossed over. They would be like, oh, your guide has showed up and they wanted to tell you this. So it's just interesting how that happened in the matter of what, four years. And now I'm, I'm recording courses on how to open up your intuition, what it's like to be an empath. I'm doing one-on-one mentorships as well and group mentorships about your intuition, your soul's purpose, your healing, like your, your path. Really, that's the cusp of the work that I do. And then I have my podcast as well, The Power of Healing Your Energy Show. And I'm working on an Oracle deck, which I'm pretty, I have a couple Oracle deck ideas. I I love working with cards. Cards really tell a story. And I I love the artwork and all that. And supporting local art or artists in general is very important to me because my son is a digital artist. So shout out to all the artists out there. And I have just put out a book. That's big. Yeah. (laughs) Well, shit. What's the name of the book? Intuition Saved My Life. And is it available now? Can people get a copy of it? Very shortly. It should be out on Amazon very shortly. It's self-published. Cool. Are your services available virtually or are they all in person? 90% virtually. (laughs) Right now, I've had a few in person and I'd like to have a few more like as a group you know, in a park or whatever it happens to be. But right now it's virtual. And I do, if someone's like, oh, I'm not really sure, I do have a complimentary 20-minute call as well. Awesome. What is the most profound spiritual paranormal woo experience you've ever had? I'd have to say astral travel. It happens quite a bit where I've never met this person And we were finally on a a video chat and I'm telling her about my dream journal. And I'm like, you have a red piano. I mean, who has a red piano? I'm like, you have three stories. She's like, you're walking through my house. I'm like, yeah, because I was there just virtually, but I was there. Just to get an essence of who the, who she is and what's going on. I mean, there was a message there. And I said, and I can see you spreading out all these photographs, photographs everywhere. She goes, yeah, because I just lost my sister and we were going through photographs for her funeral. Just stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. And that for you, that is a very common occurrence. Yeah. A lot of times it won't make sense if I don't have a client per se, but if I have a client and I'm reading this, they're like, oh, well, that's my aunt and that's my best friend's dog. It's never just about them. It's whoever is in their circle, like in their life. I will draw from everything. Have you had in this realm stuff come to you and you're just like, I have no idea who this is for. I'm just getting all kinds of weird shit, but I don't know who it goes to. Yeah, I have. And And I usually write it down because... I will forget. I mean, just like anything. And that's why I ask everyone to write their dreams down because you do forget. As soon as you wake up, people are like, I don't remember my dreams. I'm like, because you're not, you didn't train yourself to remember. It's like anything else. Did you know how to ride a bike? No, you had to get on the bike and practice and just keep, you know, doing it. So you remember one word, you remember a song maybe. And those are, you know, messages as well. Music. I get a lot of songs. And just start writing it down. One word turns into a sentence, turns into 10 pages. 
of whatever the dream is, the channeling, the download. And I, you know, people are like, have you ever seen a UFO? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> you have? have I, yeah, I have. In the clouds, that's where I see them. They're there. They hide in the clouds. You can kind of, and I've actually seen silver, like a, an oval shape. And I look and then I look again and they're, and, and boom, they're gone within that three seconds. But they were there. Is there a state or city that you've noticed you've seen them more often in? Well, when I was in Edmonton, I've seen a few. And then I've seen quite a few when I was on Vancouver Island. Wow. I know you deal with spirits all the time. Mm -hmm. What about the fae or cryptids or anything like that? Have you experienced any, any energies that sort of come from those realms in your work? Oh, I, I definitely work with the, the fae realm fairies i love unicorns phoenix you know the air with the elements so that's how i see them i really work with mother earth i know that i am directly i mean we all are but i'm a steward i really feel i am the trees talk to me the plants i mean everything has an energy everything can talk right without saying anything <laughs> just like animals you just they just have a knowing you so yeah, and, and that's actually part of the, the Oracle deck I'm creating. Is so. Fae-based? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, very mm -hmm. elemental. I love the elementals, but they can be very heavy sometimes. Depending, oh, yeah. <laughs> depending on the lesson, yeah, because of that that earth energy is so heavy. And, and water, too. I mean, it's all yes. very... It can be suffocating at times. It can be. But they all have their the, a purpose and what they do. Well, is there anything else that you feel you'd like to share with the listeners? Honestly, yeah, I keep hearing go your own way, Fleetwood Mac. So really for me, that message is for everyone that is scared to do something, to say something, to go follow their dreams, their heart, their soul. Please do it. Just go and do it and, and just drown out the noise and just... Like they say, not today, not today. Just follow your heart, follow your song, follow your magic. Where's the magic? Follow the magic. I feel like you were also telling me that just now because I have been needing to drown out the doubt, the self-doubt about following some of the things that I need to be doing. So I'm sort of at a precipice in my career right now. And mm -hmm. everybody in my life is like, you are so close. Like, look how amazing this is. And and I have that old thought, you know. Ah, that's fear. And it's evident in everything. And when you feel that, that means you need to go for it because you're not meant to stay small. You're meant to just expand. And if you knew how absolutely amazing you are and your talents and everything, you'd be gobsmacked. You'd just be in awe. You'd be like a deer in the headlights. You just can't stop looking because you're so brilliantly bright. So yeah, please go for it. And I think of Avanya Islant, if that's how we pronounce her name. She says, if you don't have a little bit of pee running down your leg, you are not dreaming big enough. <laughs> Girl, I have fully pissed my pants. <laughs> that is it right there. Well, I love that. And, and thank you so much for taking the time to do this. It was a pleasure chatting with you. Yeah, same here. I 
wish I had someone like Christine to guide me when I was a much younger empath, sort of flailing about, not knowing my ass from my elbow. But oh well, that wasn't in my cards. But if you are that younger or older empath now, look, you have her to reach out to. It's always so helpful to find teachers along the way to help remind you that your brand of weird Your way of seeing, feeling, and interacting with the world is not only okay, but it's incredibly helpful to loads of other humans. If we, all the empaths and highly empathetic people of the world, could just get out of our own way, we would have so much healing and so many special gifts to bestow on the rest of the world. And don't get me wrong, it's not just empaths who have special gifts to offer. Everybody at higher levels of potential does. Unfortunately, most people don't reach even remotely close to their highest potential. But I hope to not be one of those people. And I hope that if you're listening to this right now, that you're not one of those people. That you don't abandon yourself. That you don't suppress your very special gifts those qualities that make you unique and different, that people have probably made fun of you for, those are your gifts. That's where the gift lives. And as much as I'm telling you this right now, I'm also telling myself, the gift lives in the thing that you think is wrong, wrapped in there like a freaking date and a piece of bacon is your gift right in there. It's all squishy and delicious. You can check out everything Christine is up to and book a reading with her at christine.gold. You can also book your 15-minute complimentary intuitive you session on her Calendly. Those links and that article that I was referencing about empaths earlier and Christine's social media links will be in the show notes for you per usual. Also, just a reminder that next week's episode is going to be a little bit different. We're doing a Hellier recap slash review. And if you don't know what Hellier is, I've been talking about it a little bit over the past few months. It's a paranormal show. You can watch both seasons on YouTube or Amazon Prime. I think you can only watch the second season on Amazon Prime. If you have time to binge before next week's episode, I highly recommend it because you're not going to understand what we're talking about at all. The show is a major, major paranormal mystery rabbit hole. So it's a real hold on to your butts kind of situation. You could also skip next week's episode until you've watched it because there's definitely going to be spoilers, but just wanted to give you a heads up about that. All right. Have a great week, y'all. Bye. Thank you for following the Woo with me today. If you love what you heard, please make sure to subscribe to Follow the Woo wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you're feeling particularly stoked about this show, please leave a review and or rating. You can also support this podcast by becoming a member of The Order of Woo, where you'll get community access and loads of extra goodies exclusively on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash follow the woo. The Order of Woo patrons bolster this podcast and community and allow for the creation of more content, products, services, and events over time. Every little bit helps, and I'm so grateful for the patrons who have joined the order already. If you've experienced something magical, mystical, or just downright weird and want to discuss it, 
or if you're interested in sharing your expertise, or if you want me to research a woo topic with you or for you, please email me at followthewoo at gmail.com. Join me next week for another woo topic. And remember, tell the truth, be nice to each other, and if it feels right, 